Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Fish Tales by Fly Fish Adventures. I am your host Jay Bartlett and I love fly fishing for salmon, being outside and sharing experiences out in the wild with other people. I've started this podcast because I have been fortunate enough to meet and learn from many great people in the fly fishing world, inevitably on any good day outdoors or by the fire after a hard day's fishing, conversation flows through all subject matters revolving around the fishing and outdoor world. I would love to share these conversations with you featuring special guests from around the world, sharing with you some of our experiences and knowledge from living, working, surviving and thriving from the land and the water. We will also be filming as many of these episodes as possible for YouTube and other video platforms, which will feature topics like fishing and casting techniques, fly tying, wild food and much more. Hopefully you will also send in some requests for topics to cover and guests that you would like to feature on the show. For my first episode I'm going to keep things short and sweet by introducing myself fully so that when we get to our guest chats the main focus can be on their stories. As of this month, January 2020, I'll be turning 28 years old, which also marks my 20th year as a salmon angler, although I had been accompanying my dad trout fishing since being in the womb. I cannot remember a time when I have not been drawn to water. On the weekends, I would go trout fishing with my dad. At school and at home in the week, I would make cutout drawings of fish and catch them with a garden cane and a piece of yarn. I even caught magnetic fish in the bath. The obsession was real, but never more so than my first trip to Scotland, fishing at Lower Inverechny on the River Deveron, not far from the seaside town of Banff. It was here that I first picked up a double-handed rod and learnt to spay cast from a salmon-catching machine, Nick Anderson, who was the ghillie there at the time and who sadly is no longer with us. Needless to say, like most eight, nine-year-olds at the time, I was only really interested in catching fish. So inevitably, I cut my teeth with spinning rods. The first trip was absolutely everything to me. I had caught three sea trout and the allure of one day catching a salmon was growing exponentially larger. I did not have to wait long as our return trip the following year I matched the free fish from before but this time free salmon. I remember the weights to be 11.5, 18 and 8 pounds respectively and just as vividly I remember Nick breaking my dad's priest over the largest fish's head while almost knocking himself out with the flyaway piece landing in the river somewhere. Obviously these were different times. The notion of catching and releasing fish was only really a necessity for Celts and residents. But even now I can remember the conversations at the hut about the decline of salmon. And this would be like the late 90s. At one point the river would be favoured as top five in the country. And even though it's a shadow of its former self, my attachment to this river is stronger than anywhere else. Our trip to the Devron became an annual pilgrimage, one week a year at least. Uh, it was the last full week in October, and it's no exaggeration to say that I look forward to this trip every day from leaving to coming back. Filling the void with trout fishing in between didn't quite cut it anymore. So through these years, we've fished other great beats like Bridge of Marnock, where I had a personal best of £20 cockfish when I was only 12 years old. That was great. We also fished Montcoffer below Inverechny, where I met and learnt even more about spay casting from the great Scott McKenzie. Scott also used to ghillie at Martin Coffer when my dad fished there before I was born. He was always a tremendous help and source of knowledge to me. Great guy. Hopefully we can get him on the show one day. 
Having fished with spinning rods successfully and attempting to catch salmon with a fly rod abysmally, with only a couple constellation sea trout, I finally got my first at 14 years old after a lesson with Scott on the glide pool in Montcoffer. Four pound grills on a GP and floating line. The fish took the fly pretty much as it landed on the water and after my dad netted it, it went back in the water almost as quickly. It's a flash memory, but one that is definitely seared into my memory. Now those that know me quite well know I also had a very big passion for rock music and during my mid to late teens the crossover of interests began to hugely outweigh those for fly fishing, especially as the last three trips we did to the Devron were three blanks. Poor conditions, lack of fish. At 17 I went on my first tour as a singer and guitarist in a band supporting American artists touring through Europe. This career kept me solidly busy well into my early 20s. Um, by chance I ended up in the north of Sweden regularly during that time and very often passed over rivers driving along the highways uh, to different shows but they all looked very familiar to me. I remember saying to the bandmates that uh, those have to be salmon rivers <laughs> but you even get salmon in Sweden. Being that they had little to no interest in fishing, they didn't have a clue. So I quickly started searching the names of rivers and found all of them to have salmon and sea trout running them, even the small ones. Uh, but these were Baltic salmon. A flash of memories went through my head, sitting in the Montcoffer hut, flicking through the Doomsday Book of Salmon. And in those pages were pictures of enormous salmon caught in the Baltic Sea, usually by nets. Naturally, I started to draw conclusions that these fish had to be in the larger category. After all, I had seen and dreamed of these fish in Norwegian rivers for years. Through a lot of searching and visiting small tackle shops in the area, I managed to find maps and licenses for some of these rivers and borrowed the only rod I could find from a friend. It was an old nine foot six weight loop rod uh, along with the plastic cartridge reel that they used to make years ago. Uh, had an old trout line on it and funnily enough, a small GP. Um, so with no clue of the river, the fish and the tackle actually needed, I didn't even have any wading gear. Uh, I just went out and barefooted it on the pool below the E4 bridge on the Ereauven, which I think um, translated is Penny River. Um, it was the height of summer, hot as hell, mid-July. I could see the river was low, but I just went for it because I hadn't fished in years and it just looked amazing. Uh, the first line... I'd cast in maybe four or five years, I think. And I didn't catch any fish uh, in a way I was glad. If I had hooked what I now know to be in those rivers, the gear I had would be in pieces. Um, but it had reignited the salmon fishing fire I had almost forgotten about. And now I had seemingly countless accessible rivers to explore. Skip forward to weeks, months even, of searching about the rivers of North Sweden, I came across lots of new avenues to explore, like tying salmon flies the Scandinavian way, underhand casting, sinking lines, which I'd never used before, fishing techniques beyond upstream mending, and of course, the salmon hotspots of the north, which I would soon come to work with. I can't remember how it came to be exactly, but I came into contact with a guy called Lars Monk who was running a fishing camp on the Lainia River called Camp Onka. He was also helping manage a fishery on the Tawny River called Schengisbruck. Lars also worked with Loop on product design team and still does to this day. He was the one that helped me join and work with Loop for a little over two years. Uh, I very much look forward to having him on the show in the near future. It will be lots to talk about. 
Lars very generously invited my brother and I to Onka for my brother's 16th birthday and graduation from high school. In preparation for the trip, we armed ourselves with a bunch of guideline triple Ds and tied flies in all shapes and sizes and colours under the sun. We headed up with uh, one of my band buddies um, who knew the area really well and we stopped off at Yock Fall on the Carlix River along the way. This was my first introduction to the massive scale of the rivers uh, and it was midsummer. The sheer volume of fish rolling and splashing in the pools were just mind-blowing. I'd never seen anything like it. On my first trip down to the water, I tied on what I didn't know at the time to be a massive but bright yellow version of a banana. Uh, yellow works really well in uh, Carlix River. I was casting off of the right bank at the head of the second pool. The Falls Pool is a big bowl that narrows along a cliff face on the left bank and a sharp point sticking out into the river on the right bank. The point has a platform at the end which allows you to fish what I can only describe as a torrent of water. The heaviest line would float here. The water is so powerful, but on the seam is a smooth, glassy, heavenly piece of water. You cast out to the edge of the seam and fish into the smooth water, lengthening line each time as you can't wade it. The pool is easily two, three meters deep in average water. Halfway down what was reachable of the pool fishing this way, a fish took explosively on the top of the water. Bearing in mind I was only fishing uh, sink 135, it goes to show how far the fly had actually gone down, even with 1.5 meters of leader, when it just kicks into that hard water, it hasn't gone that far. The fish was not waiting around either. Uh, the reel that I had tethered to the rod was peeling as the fish was cartwheeling further down the pool. Maximum drag, palming the reel, even hand on the line a couple of times, I couldn't stop it. When I'd almost reached the end of the spool, the fish took one last leap of glory and spat the hook, that was it. I know there are many of you out there that have experienced the wind of shame as you try to get a couple hundreds of meters of line back on the reel, all while hoping for a constellation fish to take the fly on the way back. That never happens. This was my first, but unsurprisingly not the last. Um, but the fact is that this is possible here more often than other places that I'd been. I knew this place was special and the fish were extra special. After York Fall, we moved to Camp Onker on the Linear River and I have to say, I thought I'd gone insane. Camp Onker is situated roughly 250 kilometers from the sea. Here, I was deep in the forest, having just left a hotspot with loads of fish. Um, the camp is atop a cliff face on a 90 degree bend overlooking the river and it's a truly immense view to see. There's nothing but river and trees out here and it didn't take long to hear the splashing of fish echoing in the valley. Put my mind at ease. That day I lost another bruiser that was poorly hooked, clearly a running fish as it swam right up to me before I could even put pressure on it. Then it made the run back to the Baltic. Um, but that night I landed my first Baltic salmon and I'll never forget it. Running fish again, I thought it had come off exactly like it had done before uh, as the line went dead for like two, three seconds, but then cartwheeling mayhem to the side of me confirmed it was still on. Uh, it was a lovely henfish, bright and silver, not the biggest at 13 pounds, but solid compared to what I was used to back home. That fish was returned safely. I'll never forget that one. Um, and that was it. 
I was truly hooked again. Music seemed to be a distant memory pushed aside for everything to do with salmon and salmon fishing. I tell you all of this to bring some context to how I got to where I am today running a travel business for salmon fishing in the north of Sweden. It has to be said that through strong persuasion from Lars and a few others, uh, it all came together quite naturally. The rivers were having a big rejuvenation in fish stocks and anglers coming back to fish them. Many of the fisheries and accommodations in the area had no international presence beyond word of mouth and basic websites. So from here, we hatched a plan to use the skills that I had gained in graphic and web design to promote my music career into giving an identity and an infrastructure around marketing and bringing guests to fish in Sweden from all around the world. We started with Kamponka, then Schengisbruk, then Jok4 and Kangus FEO, and we're still looking at other opportunities that come up. Uh, this was largely helped by Lars also moving into a destination development role in his region in Lapland uh, and started introducing me to people he was working with. As a result of this, we needed to find someone who could work with selling these trips. It was always our ambition from the start that whatever we were offering would be affordable for as many people as possible. If we couldn't afford it, we wouldn't feel comfortable selling it. We've tried introducing other third parties before, but inevitably it always revolved around fleshing out an all-inclusive style package that bumps the prices way outside of working man's pockets. So I created Flyfish Scandinavia that soon after also became Flyfish Adventures. Flyfish Scandinavia is a new project that will come to light in 2020, but Flyfish Adventures was my company that would bring tourists to the north of Sweden. I'm now going to my fifth year and I've learned a lot from being a visitor, a guide, lodge manager and travel agent for these lodges. Naturally, I've made mistakes along the way, but try to be as honest, helpful and focus solely on the guests. Hard to do when all you want to do is get on the water yourself. Having said that, some of the best moments I've had on the water is guiding guests into fish and landing them. The elation of everyone involved is a buzz like no other for me personally. If I had to choose between fishing on my own and sharing a fish court with others, I would choose the latter every time. As well as guiding on the water, I've also shared my passion for fly tying and cooking. Guests that come out with me know I am obsessed with a good feed of wild game to keep everyone fishing, as I am being in the water. And my fly boxes are usually empty very quickly because I'm always giving things away for people to try. But that is also a great buzz to see fish caught on your own flies. I know plenty of others that love to do that too. So I'm looking forward to sharing more of all of this with you throughout the episodes on the show. This is what has brought me here today. I never thought I would work in fly fishing. I always had a tremendous amount of respect for those that do this professionally, and every one of them has a great story to tell. I want to grow and learn as an angler and tour operator in fly fishing and to be the best I can be, and I don't believe anyone ever did this on their own. So I can't wait to bring my first round of guests as soon as possible. Thank you so much for listening to my story in little snippets. I hope you get a kick out of what is to come. Get in touch with requests, anything you want to hear, people you want to guest on the show. I think we may even expand this to other species and other outdoor activities like hunting, which of course there's an amazing culture around both here at home in the UK and in Scandinavia. It's all coming up on Fish Tales. I've been Jay Bartlett. Catch you soon. And as always, tight lines. Mm-hmm.